0: Good morning, everyone. My name's Evan. I'm I'm one of the ministers here. I get to spend most of my time walking with our college students, and I'm I'm just honored and humbled to be able to spend a little time speaking this morning. And I want to start with a quick poll. I I really encourage you to participate just by show of hands. Um, Who's tired this morning? Okay. I expected at least that much, maybe even more. Um hopefully you are blessed this morning by uh the revival of our coffee ministry. I know Randy Patterson said a couple of weeks ago that he was going to be back today. Let me just confirm that was a joke in the name of coffee. Um I hope it's not too big of a disappointment that you give me instead, but I'm happy to be here. And so I want to talk this morning about rest a little bit. <clears throat> I want to start with a little story. Um, Yesterday, just yesterday, our our family took a little family walk to our neighborhood park, where our two year old Elizabeth loves to spend time on the swing and on the slides, and we just we had a lovely time. We had a blast. But and I'm sure some of you are familiar with this experience. We we did have a lovely time until it was time to leave and walk home. There was screaming. There was crying. And we tried to reason with Elizabeth, but our efforts were futile because the time for reasoning had passed, for the sun was beginning to set. All that remained in store for us on the walk home was struggle. You know, we we forewarned her of consequences for her actions. She disregarded our warnings. We gave her consequences, and she responded as though she were on the receiving end of great, unexpected injustice. And we did that whole dance all the way home. Um, and we got home, at which point it was definitely time to get ready for bed. And as you can imagine, every little part of that process was also a battle, because her decision-making center had officially shut down. She had reached her emotional limits. And she was pushing Danielle and me towards ours. We did make it because this has happened before, and it's going to happen again. You see, we knew the day was going to end this way, and I'll tell you why. Actually, I'll let you guess why. I'll give you one guess what she skipped out on earlier in the day. Her nap. She skipped out on her nap. You know, with small children, we know how important it is that they get their rest. And we can easily recognize the signs that they haven't gotten it. And I'd imagine that most of us can probably say that when we were small children, there was someone else who regulated rest for us. It was a command because we lacked the wisdom and the self-discipline to stop and make ourselves rest. And we didn't understand how greatly we would be affected by lack of rest. And I just wonder... As our minds and our bodies grow and develop, as we cultivate greater capacity to apply ourselves and to function on less rest, do we neglect to develop the capacity to gauge our need for rest? Do we neglect to develop the discipline to stop and take that rest? And let me just speak for myself and say no, absolutely no. And my my wife can attest, you know, there are way too many nights that I fall asleep on the couch just wanting to stay up a little bit longer, just wanting to exhale from the day a little bit longer, just wanting to scroll a little bit further, just wanting to watch one more episode. And I bet I'm not the only one. In 2015, the CDC declared that for Americans, insufficient sleep is a public health problem. And let me just say, this is no less a problem for Christians than it is for anyone else. And maybe that's why John Ortberg is so widely quoted for having said, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. I think we need to hear that because we have a rest problem. And I would say that we know that we need rest, but I wonder how much thought we give to why we need rest. You know, how often do we ask ourselves, why did God order creation to operate on a rhythm of day and night? Why did God design our bodies and our minds to need rest and sleep? When God revealed himself to a nation of people who had known nothing but toil as a way of life for generations, and when he delivered that nation of people out of slavery in Egypt, why did he find it necessary to command that they observe a weekly day of rest? And why did he even impose a penalty of death for those who would break that command in certain ways? Perhaps most importantly, we should ask, what do all these things tell us about who God is and what's important to him? I I would say that our rest problem is a result of a certain sickness. And the spiritual aspect of this sickness Can be easily overlooked. So, we're going to spend some time this morning thinking about what's important about rest. And my hope is that we might be compelled to seek rest in ways that are pleasing to the Lord and life giving to us. And so, the first thing I want us to think about this morning is that we need to rest in God's love for us. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 2, reads this way. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Now listen, there is no worthwhile endeavor or pursuit we engage in that is devoid of God's presence and involvement. We're God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, right? And so what does that mean for us? As we faithfully engage in the daily work that God has prepared for us, we can trust him with the outcomes. We can trust him with the things we can't control. We can trust that he's made us well. We can trust that he's equipped us well. And we can trust that even if things don't go the way we want them to, he will meet our deepest, and our most basic needs as we seek his kingdom and righteousness. And because we can trust the Lord, we can sleep. We trust, when we trust that our good, loving Father determines our well-being, we can work purposefully and rest peacefully. But when we fear that our work determines our well-being, when we cease to find rest in God's love, Our work can become anxious toil. But by the grace of God, when it becomes difficult for us to place our trust in what God is doing and what God will do, we have the benefit of being able to look back on what God has done in our own lives and in the lives of his people. We can remember how God has demonstrated himself time and time again to be trustworthy. In in Psalm 116, which Gregory just read for us, verses 7 through 9 say, Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I encourage you to take note of this verse save it somewhere. Let it be a reminder to us that because God is good to us and has been good to us, we can rest. Um, Back about five years ago, I I was working at Bluegrass Christian Camp. I was interning in campus ministry here. I was in graduate school getting a seminary degree. And, And summers were especially busy. You know, surviving an entire summer of weeks of camp. It takes a toll. And, and I was beginning to reach my physical limit, I discovered. I, I, I just took too much on myself. And I remember the very last week of camp, <clears throat> I, I started to experience tightness in my back. I, I had never had back problems before, but it was kind of debilitating. And, and I had to go get it checked out, and so I was given prescriptions for steroids and some extra strength ibuprofen that would help me make it through the week, Um, and so I managed to survive that last week of camp, and then the day after the camp season ended, I hopped on a plane to go down to Abilene, Texas for an intensive week of coursework, Um, an intensive week for which I was wildly unprepared, and I just had to power through that week, too. And I barely made it. And, and I woke up on my first morning back home with pink eye, a sinus infection, and a double ear infection. And <laughs> it was like my body saying, hey, hey, you're 30 now. We can't keep doing this. <laughs> and you know, I, I don't tell that story to boast about what I was able to endure. If anything, it speaks to my foolishness not my accomplishment, because I I had a great team, I had a great staff, but I didn't share the load well enough. I had enough time to work ahead for my course, but I fell victim to each day's busyness. And because I misjudged my own limits, because I was too proud and too stubborn to ask for help, I treated rest as a luxury instead of a priority. And how often do we do that? Do we put so much stock in our own work that we're incapable of allowing ourselves to depend on God's work. That's the question we need to ask. And are we willing to bet our sleep on that? Psalms 3 verse 5 says, "I lie down and sleep; I wake again because the Lord sustains me." Psalm 16:7 says, "I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night; my heart instructs me." Eugene Peterson once said, "We go to sleep, and God begins his work. Will we let ourselves or will we make ourselves stop if we trust that God loves us and that He will keep the world turning even after we finally decide to turn off the lights now maybe maybe you have a philosophy of sleep, maybe you have a, a good understanding of it, and, and maybe." You, you believe something like early to bed, early to rise, makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? So maybe you have a philosophy of sleep, but let me, let me offer to you a theology of sleep. Tish Harrison Warren says, Embracing sleep is not only a confession of our limits. It is a joyful confession of God's limitless care for us. For Christians, The act of ceasing and relaxing into sleep is an act of reliance on God. And so knowing that we can rely on God and trust him, it leads us to love him more. And that's the next thing I want to think about. We need to rest in our love for God. German theologian Meister Eckhart once said, God is not found in the soul by adding anything, but by subtracting. And let me just ask, how easy is it for us to feel that we're too busy to grow in our walk with the Lord? How easy and backwards is it for us to feel that busyness is a must while time spent with God is optional, something to do if we're able to get around to it? As Barrett preached to us a few years ago, God doesn't desire to be one more thing to us. He wants to be our one thing. And that probably means that some other things need to go. <clears throat> and, you know, I've, I've been careful not to use the S word so far this morning, but I don't think we can avoid it any longer. Shabbat, Sabbath. As New Testament Christians, we generally consider the command and practice of Sabbath to be obsolete. Op- obsolete. At the very least, it's a foreign concept to us because it has been so long removed from our faith tradition. Now, as a a people, we might loosely hold on to ideas of Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, as a day of rest. In fact, it wasn't all that long ago that Sunday was a day when there was less to do because blue laws prohibited a good deal of business activities on Sundays. But those laws have faded, and there's money to be spent money to be made, sports to be played, projects to get done. And I would say that for most of us, this day of rest isn't really restful. And for that reason, this has been a tricky sermon for me to prepare because most of the books I'm reading that have things to say about rest, including the Bible, approach the subject in a context of Sabbath. And to be honest, I'm, I'm not ready to talk about it. I need the Lord to teach me more about it because it's so foreign to me and honestly I I lack the faith to fully believe that it's doable for my family to set aside an entire day every week for rest, remembrance and recentering. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I also have to confess that I'm starting to question this. I wonder what blessings we might discover if we all question that. In, in Mark 2, verse 27, Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift. And maybe we should ask ourselves, What are we willing to subtract from our lives in order to grant God greater space in our souls? Now, it's true that Sabbath rest is no longer something that God requires of his people. Unlike the Israelites, we have a covenant in Christ that isn't law-based. But recall that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not abolish it. And so rest is still a matter of great importance to the Lord because the spirit of the law still matters a great deal for those who wish to follow Christ. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Earlier in Psalm 116, the psalmist writes, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Rest is a critical space in our lives. In which we can recenter ourselves in our love for the Lord and in our trust of the Lord. But we are swimming, people. We are swimming in ideas of Sabbath and rest that frame them not as offerings to the Lord, but as times of self focus. I would say that some of the most common contemporary associations we have with Sabbath would be like a spa day or a shopping day or a golf day. And these are all nice things that are meant to be enjoyed, but if the focus of these things is on ourselves, then they don't align with the real heart of Sabbath. Lauren Winner, who converted to Christianity from Judaism and wrote a book called Mudhouse Sabbath, she calls this the fallacy of the direct object. The fallacy of the direct object. If my times of rest are designed to honor me, if they can be categorized best as me time, then I am not participating in Sabbath rest. It is not a Sabbath to the Lord, my God. It has the wrong direct object. We need times of rest that help us to remember and appreciate God's creative work and God's redemptive work that we might love him more for it. St. Augustine has, has famously said, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We rest in him because we love him, and we love him because we can find rest in him. And when our hearts find rest in the Lord, we are changed. The last thought I want to spend some time on this morning is that we need to rest in our identity in God. Psalm 23 begins... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we can ask ourselves why does God make his sheep lie down? Why does God command rest under the law of Moses? It's because we are his. Walter Brueggemann, a a theologian, he says, Yahweh is a Sabbath-keeping God, which fact ensures that restfulness and not restlessness is at the center of life. Restfulness is at the center of God's life. God, in his infinite grace and wisdom, has ordered life to require that we stop from time to time and find rest in his goodness. But we set... Our hearts and our eyes on other things. And as we do that, we become His a little bit less. We place our trust and our identity in infinitely lesser things. Jesus speaks about this in, in the parable of the sower. He mentions seed that falls among thorns, and he says that the thorns grow up and choke out the seed, and the, sea, the seed yields no grain. And Jesus goes on to explain to his disciples that the thorns represent the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. These things choke out God's word in our hearts and keep it from bearing fruit. And what does that have to do with rest? Godly rest is a critical act of both Affirmation and abstinence. We affirm that we belong to the Lord and we affirm in rest that he loves us and we love him. Also in rest, we abstain from participating in practices and systems that are at odds with God's lordship. John Ortberg talks about this in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted. He talks about how the forces of society relentlessly mold us. And he he says this, American society is filled with ideas and values and pressures and temptations about success and security and comfort and happiness that we will not even notice unless we withdraw on occasion. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Godly rest will allow us to be molded by our shepherd, not molded by our society. And we will see life and the world differently because of it. In Isaiah 55, God calls his people to think about life and wholeness differently. He says through Isaiah, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. When we participate in God's way of life, He will free us from false ideas about what we need. And he will delight us as he meets the needs of our bodies and souls. Henry Nowen puts it this way. When we set our hearts on the life in the spirit of Christ, we will come to see and understand better how God keeps us in the palm of his hand. We will come to a better understanding of what we truly need for our physical and mental well-being and we will come to experience the intimate connections between our spiritual life and our temporal needs while journeying through this world. There needs to be an intersection between physical rest and spiritual identity. Setting our hearts on the life and the spirit of Christ will help us to find that intersection. Walter Brueggemann says, Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes. It is the pause that transforms. When we rest in the Lord, we are transformed. We rest because he loves us. We rest because we love him. And we rest because we are his. Um, You know, just just within the last couple of weeks, I, I, I felt something that I hadn't felt in my body for several years. It was tightness in my back, very similar to what I felt years ago at camp. It came out of nowhere. I hadn't done anything physical to strain myself. Um, I just felt off. I felt soreness in my surgically repaired knee, and I'd never felt that kind of soreness before. And, And all I can figure of where that soreness and that tightness came from is that I'm tired. And the funny thing is, I'm not nearly as busy as I was in the summer of 2017. Um, we're, we're actually kind of in summer mode. Campus ministry is kind of on a break, and, and we get to take a, a little bit more of a breather over the summer. But I am still restless. Tish Harrison Warren says, if rest is learned through habit and repetition, so is restlessness. We nurture habits of restlessness instead of allowing ourselves to find fullness and fuller life by resting in the Lord. And I would say that habits of restlessness leave us wanting more, more, more. But resting with the Lord leaves us knowing that we have enough, enough, enough. So what can we do? We can take a nap. We can take a walk. Maybe don't spend money. Don't make your rest depend on someone else's work. We can invite someone else to join us in some time of rest. We can engage in practices of rest that encourage and inspire other people to rest. Now, this might sound crazy, but hear me out. We could take a day, a whole day, maybe even once a week. I'm pretty sure I've read about that somewhere. What activities or what forms of abstinence from activity will leave you comforted in trust for the Lord, grateful in love for the Lord, and grounded in the ways of the Lord? Listen, friends, we are free in Christ. This is not a burden, and it's been redeemed from overregulation. There's an abundance of options. Be creative. And honestly, I'd, I'd love to hear what you come up with. But let the heart of the matter be this, because of what the Lord has done, we can stop doing. I'll share one more quote. This is from Barbara Brown Taylor. She says, test the premise that you are worth more than what you can produce, that even if you spent one whole day being good for nothing, you would still be precious in God's sight. And when you get anxious because you are convinced that this is not so, remember that your own conviction is not required. This is a commandment. Your worth has already been established even when you are not working. The purpose of the commandment is to woo you to the same truth. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. When, when we stop to remember those who have given their lives so that we can have a certain way of life. Their sacrifice can't be forgotten. And in that same vein, but to a much greater degree, we come together at least once a week to stop and remember that Jesus died and defeated death so that we can have a certain way of life with him forever. And what greater truth could there be in which to find rest. Jesus defeated death. Let us look to him and lay down our lives with full confidence that we will find nothing less than life to the full in him. And take a nap. If you haven't yet embraced Jesus as the Lord of your life, we invite you to do that this morning and take him on in baptism. His yoke is easy, And his burden is light. We invite you to come and see. Let's continue in worship. Let's stand.